Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alleycast podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Mace Edwards, right alongside Connor Bouncesor. And while I am back from a trip to Arizona, yes, it was hot, and Connor did an excellent job last week on the pre-hypothetical news segment. We are here together back again for another Alley Cat hypothetical. And for the first time, we're going to be covering a basketball hypothetical, as you can tell if you read the title. And this week's question is, what if Lon Kruger never leaves K-State? We, uh, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Let's just say events do not occur that cause him to leave. So <laughs> let's assume that he just stays at K-State for, let's say, until his first stint in the NBA. So up until the 2000 season. But before we talk about the hypothetical timeline, it might be better to talk about the actual timeline. So, Connor, I will take uh, what Lon did, and then you can talk about what K-State did in the years after Lon left. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me splendid all right so during Lon Kruger's tenure at K-State it spanned four seasons from 1986 to 1990 every single one of those years he ended up making the NCAA tournament with his first season being an exit in the round of 32 and then the magical 1988-88 run and then two straight exits in the round of 64 before events and he had to leave to go to Florida And at Florida, he had a so-so first season with a Florida squad that never was really good at basketball before that point, before that second season and getting them to the NIT and as well as that the NIT for the next season before uh, we called I called the Elite Eight run for K-State in 1988, a magical run. The Florida 1994 run to the final four might just top it. Because that was one of the fastest turnarounds for a program that, well, it's not one of the fastest, but it's a really fast turnaround for a program that was never known for basketball before. And then the year after that, exits in the round of 64. Doesn't do so well in his last year at Florida before moving on to Illinois for four seasons. Made the NCAA tournament three times there. The only time he didn't win is in his second to last year. It's also worth noting that here's just a fun Lon Kruger fact. Lon Kruger has never outright won a conference championship. He has tied it twice. Who knew? Wikipedia. Not me. <laughs> Wikipedia, mostly. But that's what he did in our timeline. So just looking at the record, he was above 500 every single place he went had plenty of NCAA tournament um, NCAA tournament experience even with a team that had very little of it before he showed up and also performed reasonably well at Illinois a program that had a little bit more pedigree when it came to basketball even back in the late 90s so that's what he did but how did K-State do after Lon left um pretty dismal uh, to put it mildly, um, there's that long, dark age period for K-State football in the post-World War II era up until um, when Bill arrives. Um, probably didn't get quite that bad, 
in this time period, but basketball was not good at K-State in the post-Long Kruger, pre-Bob Huggins, Frank Barton era. The trio of Dana Altman, Tom Asbury, and Jim Woldridge, uh, they combined just a little over 500, and that's Dana Altman doing the heavy lifting there. And uh, not a very good conference winning percentage. Dana Altman makes the tournament once. Tom Asbury makes the tournament once. Uh, Jim Woldridge doesn't do much of anything, actually, other than uh, he beats KU and Lawrence. And he's the last K-State coach to do that. And K-State just wasn't very good at this point. Now, uh, Dana Altman has gone on to be a fairly successful um, men's basketball coach. So you can argue that he was hired a little too early. Um, Tom Asbury didn't really have a successful career after this. Neither did uh, Jim Waldridge, at least uh, Jim Waldridge. He did end up moving to administration and I, I'm sure he did fine there, but it was not a bright period for Casey Amon's basketball uh, for a, at that point, a very proud program um, to go through pretty much a generation of uh below average play which uh was kind of devastating uh to the program's image and is an image that still i think remains today because drum tangs brought it up a few times but the history of k-state basketball is very proud uh it is a really good uh all-time type of program but there's just this big gap where just nothing was really going right yeah and I think a, a big part of that is just a, a couple of hires that were either too early or just didn't quite hit the mark, especially in the, the years between uh, the years basically from Altman right before uh, Frank Martin, though Huggy only got one season. But I think a lot of it, you know, just comes down to you said it yourself. It's it's a reversal of a really really proud program, and that's still something we're feeling the the ripple effects of today. So, uh, this we didn't really have any good place to to put this. Um, okay, first off, before I mention that, the, in our current timeline, Lon Kruger did get inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame in uh, 2022 the year after he retired from uh, Oklahoma in 2021. And we're, this is, this is kind of going to serve as a sort of transition from the, our timeline to the, the hypothetical timeline of what happens if Lon Kruger stays. But we said that he leaves in 2000. I want you to keep that year in mind. And I want you to guess what we're going to talk about from the year 2000. Connor is well aware it's in the wrong spot on the outline. Uh, I would kick it down maybe a couple paragraphs uh, on the outline. But you know which I speak because this was quite the rabbit hole we jumped down before the episode. <laughs> that it was. <laughs> but let's just go ahead and get straight into the, the hypothetical world where the only thing that causes Lon Kruger to leave is the NBA calling in the year 2000. So obviously 1986 to 1990, that stays the exact same. 
So going into that 1991 season is the, or the 92-91 season is when our hypothetical really picks up. And just looking at K-State's roster, after they got bounced from the round of 64 in the 89-90 season, they only returned 35% of minutes played and 36% of scoring. So it's entirely possible that that year would be a down year regardless of whether, regardless of who the coach was, whether it be Dana Altman or uh, Lon Kruger. Plus, they lost a couple of, excuse me, they lost a few NBA guys as well, and Steve Henson, Mesquia Jones. So, like, that's quite the, the transition to begin the first year of the hypothetical. So, I, first question, straight off the bat, how long does Lon Kruger keep his streak going of getting K-State to the tournament, given the production that he lost in between the 89-90 and then the 90-91 season? probably ends that year honestly um they maybe with lawn still at the helm make it to the nit rather than missing postseason entirely um but they probably don't make the NCAA tournament period um at that point um lawn sticking around would have been big um especially with dana altman being fairly uh inexperienced as a uh, uh as a uh, head coach um completely inexperienced really um, but he um would have would have to step into some really big shoes. He was only uh Dana Altman was only thirty two, uh when he became the head coach, um at K State. So, Lon sticking around, uh with um significantly more experience, uh that probably would have been really helpful, I imagine. And uh, now, Lon was not a uh, older guy at that point either. Um, but still, uh, he would be more seasoned. He would have that NCAA tournament experience. He would have known what it took. And even though you do look at the prior three seasons, you can see a, a decline uh, in a, a record through that period of time. Um, it's it's hard to say what changes if he remains and again we weren't around for this so we have to speculate a bit um but casey if i had to guess they probably tread water i would imagine unless they really were screwed on the recruiting front uh but again there's there's not recruiting records that really go back that far at least yeah. available to us so yeah. um maybe lawn goes out and finds another Mitch Richmond, but they don't grow on trees. So it, it's hard to say one way or another. Yeah. I also think it's worth talking about just briefly where the, the other programs end up. So basically where does Florida and Illinois end up? Florida probably never has that magical run and they probably maintain being pretty close to the bottom of an, an SEC that at the time was not known for its basketball prowess. And that's putting it lightly. So Florida likely never has that magical run and probably never even makes the NCAA tournament in the time frame that it has. And then Illinois, it's Illinois. The only thing that changes is maybe they avoid the one really bad season with Lon, which is that 98-99 season. 
But even then, that's that's even that's kind of questionable. So basically, if Lon doesn't go, if Lon stays at K State, Florida stays bad. Illinois is still going to be Illinois. <laughs> it's not a very satisfying answer if you're a fan of either of those schools. But if you're a fan of either of those schools, I'm not sure how you found this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's not a whole lot to say on that front. Um, and again, we're not super tuned into that era of K State from lived experience. I say not particularly, uh, but we weren't at all. Um, but we at least still have some vague, um, like second and third hand knowledge. Um, but we don't know anything about Florida basketball in 19, like 90s. So that's just not going to be our forte. Um, but we can at least take a look at what seems like an effect that he had and that he at least got one good season out of Florida and, there's nothing that says to me that he wouldn't be able to replicate that at K-State because if he was able to go to Florida and do it effectively, I'm sure he could do it at K-State. Yeah, especially considering in terms of Florida's NCAA tournament record, uh, once was with Lon in that 94 season, then they got bounced in 1995, and then they made it once in 1999 as actually a six seed and made it pretty far. They made it to the sweet 16, but still for the majority of their time, they weren't great. They were up and coming in the late eighties and then fell off a cliff. (laughs) Yeah. And those first couple of NCAA tournament appearances, they had ended up getting vacated by the NCAA anyways. Uh, So I, I don't really know what to make of that them getting vacated. I guess I just can't say they were there now, but uh, yeah, Lon seemed to take them to a, a higher point than they were used to. And of course, Florida has had some pretty excellent success since that time, uh, given that uh, Florida picked up back-to-back uh, national championships uh, in 2005 through 2007. Um, and then Billy Donovan went on to coach uh, the Thunder for a while, I believe. But uh, that's all post Long Kruger, because uh, we, other than yeah, other than the that one year, we still don't get a ton of uh, um, great performance at Florida. There's a lot of just okay basketball at Florida in that time frame. Um, there's maybe an argument that they make it in '92 if they had a better history, because they play a worse record and finish lower in the sec in 95, but make it, but they also just went to the final four the year before. So it's tough to say, but Elon, one of the biggest things to take away from Elon is he kind of bounced all over the place. Uh, He really didn't stay anywhere for a truly long time um, until his last job at Oklahoma. He was there for a full 10 years, but yeah, so that that's pretty much the non-K-State stuff covered. And before we talk about the grander K-State stuff, as in we're, we're, we're going to the word legacy is probably going to be said quite a bit during this next segment. So before we get into that, here's a quick word from our sponsors. 
and welcome back to the this episode of Alley Cat Hypotheticals, where we take a look into the past and change a few things about history just to see how it ends up for K-State. This week, we're looking at whether what happens if Lon Kruger does not leave after that 1990 season, and he stays all the way up till his first NBA tenure in the 2000 season. We just got done talking about a, what actually happened in our timeline, that is Lon going to Florida and then Illinois. And we talked about what Florida did, both with him and what they could have done without him. But now, now comes the question of, past that first season, which we looked at before, how does the seasons of 1991 to the year 2000 go for K-State? So, in our world, like I said, Lon Kruger ends up making the tournament five times out of that decade. That is the final four run in 94, the getting bounced in the round of 64 in 1995, and then three round of 32 exits at Illinois. So starting from the top, 91 season, we agreed, was kind of going to be a wash no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Which is a shame it could have happened to anybody that it could have but the 1991 to 92 season went a little better in our real world and that is the k-state ended up making the nit they were fine at 16 and 14 not great but you know it it all comes down to how much does lon kruger elevate those rosters that he's given given that, that that roster in 1990, the 91-92 season still had two NBA guys. I misspoke earlier. Eskia Jones did not leave after that uh, first season. But given that he still had two NBA guys on that 91 roster, how much does Lon Kruger sort of elevate that roster? Or really, does he, is the question. Because, again, that would we projected in the 90 season probably an NIT berth, 91 what do you think happens there it's so tough to extrapolate back and say it's going to be x this year and y this year just because so many factors change yeah but i do think that k-state makes a tournament more uh than they did uh in our own timeline i I think maybe the biggest thing that changes is K-State doesn't kind of fall into this like basketball coma that they went into and in uh, our own timeline, but they probably don't have incredible peaks. It's probably a decade of being slightly above average with maybe one or two great seasons. Um, Just kind of a consistent, solid team. And uh, that's kind of where I think K-State spends the 1990s if Lon sticks around and we get those um, extra 10 years of uh, of Lon Kruger. And again, it could go completely south, um, but we've seen him uh, be successful at other locations. In fact, he's been successful everywhere that he's been yeah. uh, in one way or another. He was very good at Florida. Um, Illinois, he goes to the NCAA tournament three or four times. Um, UNLV, he 
takes them to the NCAA tournament four out of his seven years. And of course, it's Oklahoma. He had some great teams um, at Oklahoma and got some really great recruits like Trey Young uh, in that time. So we've seen him be successful elsewhere. Now, he wasn't so successful in the NBA, but of course, that's an entirely different animal. Um, Now, Kruger at K-State, I think at minimum, he makes the NCAA tournament. I think you mentioned this earlier. He probably makes it five out of 10 times because that's what he did already. And he did that while building at different programs. I, th- I think we can safely assume that he makes it at least five times. I think it's more six or seven likely, um, especially because he did not miss the tournament in his four years at K-State. Now, he was only really effective one year. And, of course, we know that one NCAA tournament run in 1988, that was kind of the divergence uh, for K-State men's basketball in the long term. That's kind of where things started to go downhill and the spirit was kind of lost uh, in the program. But, Ace, what do you think? Well, I I think that assuming, again, from 1986 up to the 2000 season, that's 14 years, I think that Lon Kruger probably ends up making the tournament nine out of 14 of those years. I think that like the problem with Lon Kruger, and I feel like this is going to be basically the thesis of it, is I feel like Lon Kruger himself was a good enough coach at K-State to have maintenance of what he had before and maintenance of a solid legacy. I'm not sure if he was fully capable of elevating that legacy. And the main reason I say that is if you take out the final four run against Florida and look at his time at Illinois, Illinois was a a pre-established program and, you know, they were solid while they were there consistently a tournament team but always got bounced in the round of 32 every single time Lon made the tournament there. So I really think the legacy of Lon Kruger at K-State, if he coaches a full 14 years before going on to the NBA, which I still think he probably does end up going to the NBA after his coaching tenure here, just because, you know, I, I don't see anything that happens that would truly change that outcome because he'd still be a solid coach. But I think the legacy of Lon Kruger wouldn't be the coach that got away from K-State after 1990. I think his legacy would be, oh, he was a really, really good coach, but he didn't take that next step. So in a way, I think he probably ends up being considered not necessarily a disappointment, but I think a lot of people would sort of mention with an asterisk next to his names, like, well, he never got us over the hump that we wanted him to, but he was never bad enough to fire. Yeah. And I I think that's probably a good place to consider him. Like, I don't think as a coach he'll ever, or he would have ever found himself mentioned with the likes of Jack Gardner, Tex winner, Jack Hartman. Like that's kind of like the, the Holy Trinity of K-State basketball coaches. Um, no, there's not an argument for Rick Martin. Never mind. But no. <laughs> um, those are the big three um, there. I don't think Lon 
ends up making an argument to get in there, at least not a particularly convincing one. I think he would be in a like first or second off the bench scenario um, if we're considering that, where he still goes down as a beloved coach because he's remembered quite well from what I can tell across the general fan base because he not only played at K-State and was a great player, he was a coach and had a successful um, time period here. And he didn't stay as the head coach for super long, but he also didn't stay long enough to have truly bad years that would have soured the memories. So he probably maybe gets remembered slightly differently, mainly because he he uh, he wouldn't have always had great years. Now, of course, he would still have Askia Jones. Um, and Askia Jones um, is one of the more forgotten uh, K-State legends. Um, he uh, has the K-State all-time single-game points record. Um, he, uh, in the NIT in 1994, Skia Jones um, scored 62 in uh, one game when K-State won 115 to 77. Um, but people don't really think about that that much because it was in kind of that dark age. It was in the NIT. Uh, and it was kind of the tail end of Dana Altman's time at K-State. So it was um, not super memorable. But what does Long Kruger do with the Skia Jones? Does he build around him properly? Or does K-State just kind of rummage through the Big 8 slash Big 12? Because he would, in this scenario, stick out through the Big 8 expansion to the Big 12. But it's so tough to say. It is so tough to sit here and say, oh, we do X, Y, and Z because so many factors change if he stays longer. Like, does Dana Altman uh, ever come back at all? Does K-State even hire like Jim Waldridge? Probably not. There's so much change. We'll get to that in a second. Yes, we will. We'll get to that Uh, in a second. But K-State's probably maintains a fairly decent national image. I think they probably made the NCAA a few times, the NCAA tournament a few times, um, much more than they did in real life. But I don't think they win like a national title. I don't even think they make the final four. Um, I think they probably make the second weekend a few times, uh, just get to the Sweet 16 slash Elite Eight a handful of times. But I don't think it would be a dazzling experience. Uh, yeah. I, at least not off the top of my head. Yeah. So, and we, we say all this because, you know, K-State, even in the, the Altman-Asbury years, there were still two NCAA tournament appearances between them, the 93 and the 96 appearance for uh, Altman and then Asbury, respectively. But I, I you touched on something there that K-State maintains a degree of respectability in terms of the the national media. So I think the biggest change for K-State basketball in this scenario is that there aren't really any dark years that I don't, I don't think K-State enters like a basketball coma, like it sort of did from the years of 1990 to 2007. And you could actually argue up to, you know, 2008 with a, 
Frank Martin's first appearance in the tournament. But, you know, it, I think that's sort of the biggest change is that K-State never enters a dark period. And I think that that change in particular leads to a lot, <laughs> a lot of differences. We'll talk about it. We keep kicking it down the road. But trust me, we keep kicking it down the road because once we go down the rabbit hole, I'm not sure we're coming back up. <laughs> but yeah, I, do you think that K-State avoids any... Do you think they avoid the dark ages and still maintain a degree of... Because season-by-season analysis after like 1992 is completely pointless because it's going to be a completely different roster. But do you think that Lon is able to at least maintain status quo for K-State? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I do because th- I do consider a like dark age or basketball coma, uh, whatever term you decide to use. Um, to me, that's a sustained like malaise around the program. Like you need to have not just a bad year, but several bad years, and you need to have more bad years than good in a time period. And I don't think that happens. With Lon Kruger, again, there's just not the information available about the program like things are today because when there was no social media back then, there was, I guess you could send out a newsletter with like rumors and stuff, but uh, that would have been more difficult to manage, I guess, at the time. Maybe they had some email chains or something, but I I, I don't think that K-State peaks particularly high in this time period i think Juan kruger probably hangs out in the 17 to like 23 24 win area i think he would stick around there for a while maybe peak later um because we're still assuming that he ends up going to the nba um to go coach the atlanta hawks uh that's just we had to pick cutoff point and that just happened to be the one that we went with because 14 years of Juan kruger that would have been consistent with the longest tenured K-State coaches like Tex Winter for 15 years. Jack Gardner got about 10 uh, in two stints. Uh, and then Jack Hartman got 16 years. So 14 feels fairly appropriate for Long Kruger. Um, it's, it's so tough to say. But I do think status quo ultimately gets established. But I still think it's probably a step down from what K-State's used to because Lon Kruger, uh, while he's been a very successful basketball coach, it would have been difficult to emulate Jack Hartman to the level that Jack Hartman was able to truly reach because Lon Kruger and Jack Hartman have very similar uh, win percentages at K-State. But of course, Lon Kruger is getting heavily carried by his first two seasons. And the second two, he really starts to dip. But it's tough to say what changes, what doesn't. Does he really gain experience and get good (laughs) as time goes on? Does he recruit effectively or was he just successful with Hartman's program? Is Bramlage cursed? I don't know (laughs) because we have we move over to Bramlage, I think for the last year of Kruger either the last year or the last two years and uh, then things start to go downhill so maybe maybe it was leaving a hern that was the curse 
Maybe. So I, I do kind of want to present a, a little bit of a, a counter argument to that to just sort of play devil's advocate a little bit here. In his longest tenure, which was at Oklahoma, he did end up making the tournament eight out of the 10 years. And that was a considerable elevation of from when he got there. But that being said, I, I think that that's sort of what Lon Kruger was. It, there was one Final Four appearance in that in 2016 and then one Sweet 16 appearance. And then the rest were there were two rounds of 32s and then three uh, round of 64s. So if you want to basically take his longest tenure at Oklahoma and then sort of apply it to K-State, he is a consistently solid coach. He is going to consistently make the NCAA tournament. And maybe every once in a while, he'll have a year or two where he really surprises some people and can make a special push. But can you really bank on that elevation? Of, of what Jack Hartman's program. I don't think you can. What I think Lon Kruger is, is if you take, if he never leaves K-State, I basically think that K-State has the run that Oklahoma did from 2011 to 2021, where they are consistently a good team who can make some noise if given the right circumstances. But no one really looks at them on a year-to-year basis and say they are natty contenders. Yeah, year-in, year-out national title contenders was not an option Mm-mm. at that point um, for uh, for K-State. At least not realistic, because there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes into uh, other K-State sports and how... Uh, um, how other sports get affected. Like if Lon Kruger sticks around, does K-State keep investment in the uh, uh, in the basketball program uh, to a higher degree, or do they take more of that funding and divert more of it to football? Uh, if Kruger stays and continues to be at least decently successful, maybe football doesn't get all the money that Bill Snyder wants. Because that was a big issue when Bill Snyder got hired was uh, they had to divert more funds to football. So mm-hmm. how does that affect K-State football in the 90s? Does Bill Snyder not stick around long for uh, funding concerns? Or what's the deal with that? It It's tough to say, but that's something that has to be considered. Um, is K-State was at a financial point where it was kind of you had to pick one. And for a long time, that had been basketball because they had been historically successful, but does K-State are, they probably wouldn't be able to effectively split between Oklahoma, not Oklahoma. Sorry. I'm looking at Oklahoma's <laughs> history right now. I'm trying okay. to see who coached before um, um, Kruger. The answer is Jeff Cable, but um, he, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's a way to really for K-State, especially at that point in time, um, to fund uh, a, re- a rebuilding football program and maintain um, the basketball program. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. Maybe they bring in more concerts like they did to help pay off Bramlage or something. <laughs> Apparently Bramlage used to have some legendary, legendary concerts uh, back in the day. They don't really anymore. 
they've they've kind of stopped doing that. Shame. Yeah, it could happen to anybody. <laughs> but but I don't know. yeah, I, I think that they with the I think that with how pro, both programs would be on the rise. I do think that they probably do find some way to get decent investment into both, whether it's as much investment, I don't think so, but I think you get as much as probably like 80 to 85% investment that you would have gotten for football anyway, which who's to say if that's enough, maybe it was, maybe it isn't, but it's still a a massive jump. Plus K-State gets to keep the, the title of okay, we're relevant in two sports because I don't think people appreciate how rare that is to be relevant in both revenue sports, especially in the pre-major media deal yeah. uh, era. Because I mean, college athletics was not operating on a super high budget at this point in time. Media rights were just not worth as much as they are today. Coaching sal—that's why coaching salaries were nowhere near as high as they are today. Because as ADs get more money than they ever have before and they have to put it somewhere. So it's created a coaching salary bubble. That is a whole separate <laughs> issue. But it's, uh, it's still something to uh, consider. But the financial situation, the K-State Athletic Department, while not the most interesting thing to talk about, is it's important. It's arguably what's affected the most by Lana Kruger sticking around. Assuming that Lon Kruger is able to continue to put solid teams on the court year in, year out. Yeah. All right. You ready to go down the rabbit hole? I am so ready. All right. So let's set the scene. Lon Kruger leaves for the NBA in the year 2000. There, He's leaving behind a, a K-State team that has been pretty consistently good in this world. And the 2000s coaching carousel class is one of the most ridiculous coaching carousels that I've ever seen in any sport. I'm talking about professional sports as well. Connor, just read through a couple, just just a few of the names here. Sure. Um, One of the big ones that stuck out to me. Uh, Mike Bray to Notre Dame, who just retired after this year. So he he was very successful um, there. That's a potential option right there. Bill Self to Illinois, who replaced Long Kruger, who was then replaced by Bruce Weber. Just a fun fact. (laughs) No reason. Um, Bob Knight got fired uh, that year, uh, and then he was uh, ultimately replaced by uh, Mike Davis. Uh, other than that, uh, Travis Ford, um, he was hired that year. It was not to Oklahoma state, but it was to, uh, Eastern Kentucky. Um, Mark Turgeon goes to Wichita state that year. Um, other than that, John Thompson, the third to Princeton, who would later go to Georgetown, Thad Mata to Butler, John Calipari to Memphis. There's some big time names on this. And then also Porter Moser is here as well which was just kind of random. Uh, he, he went to Arkansas Little Rock uh, this year, so good for Porter, Porter, I guess. I don't know what to make of that, but man, th- there's a lot of movement in this uh, coaching cycle and a lot of big names uh, today shuffling around. 
uh, if K-State remains successful throughout the 90s, do they open themselves up to instead of hiring in that in that window, we hired Jim Baldridge after Tom Asbury uh, definitely resigned of his own free will. Um, <laughs> does K-State get a guy like Jim Baldridge um, who was an NBA assistant but not a particularly good uh, Division One head basketball coach from uh, his past history? Or do they go out and get a Bill Self? Does K-State get Bill Self yes. in this alternate reality? Yes, they do. Yeah, they, they hire him away from a Tulsa, Tulsa instead of a Illinois uh, getting to him. Does K-State get John Calipari? I hope not. But <laughs> does uh, Thad Mata end up coming to K-State instead? Um, or Travis Ford or any other of these names? Mark Turgeon? Probably not. He went to KU, but maybe he could. All right, so... Uh, here's here's how I kind of want to I kind of want to do this exercise here. I want to keep in mind that K State in this world is still widely respected in the national media space as a basketball school. They are still consistently considered good, and they are still getting solid investment. Though maybe a little bit of investment has been pushed towards the football program. With this those- sounds like to me a good designation is sleeping giant probably is how a lot of people would want to describe it where past good history, but current pretty solid, but not to expectations. Yeah. So with that in mind, what, what basically what coaches would take that job? I, I think the, there are a few obvious answers, Bob Knight getting fired. I think that he probably honestly, as, as hilarious as, and as much as me wants to say that Bill Self ends up becoming the the, <laughs> the K-State basketball coach, as much as every part of my soul wants to say that, I don't think that's the most realistic scenario. It's not outlandish. It's not outlandish. That's the thing. I mean, he went from Tulsa to Illinois, mm-hmm. and Illinois was a well-respected basketball program. Coached by Long Kruger. Yeah, and then Bruce went right after it. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, Bill Self, uh, he he was from Oklahoma, played his basketball at Oklahoma State. So, does he? Does he come to K-State? Is that even a possibility? Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a possibility. Now, does it happen? Maybe not. But Probably not. This has a, It would have had a better percent chance of happening. I think then, at least based on the information we have, than I would have ever expected. Yeah. But so uh, on the realistic list of candidates, and then we can sort of talk about what what we think happens with with each of the candidates. So to me, the realistic lists of candidates are Bill Self, Bob Knight, Thad Mata, and oh, I had it. Help. (laughs) I just pick a I mean, pick a fourth name because I had the, it was one of the names that you mentioned that was successful. I get an SEC school. Oh, don't say Calipari. We're not doing Calipari. We're, okay, not doing. Calipari. <laughs> We're not going to go down. Did you say Mike Bray? Oh, Mike Bray. That was the other one. Thank you. So it's Self Knight, 
Bray, and Mata. So that that is quite the 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 crop of coaching candidates. And I think Obviously. it's I genuinely think it is realistic because K State never has the dip. Law never leaving and only leaving for the NBA in 2000 means there's never a dip and they're still getting funding because there was never a dip and they still have the national respect and a recruiting base because they have the national respect. So I don't think there's a world where they end up hiring someone who is not a proven college coach. So yeah, Jim I, 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 never I th- comes here. <laughs> yeah. Cause Thad Mata is the guy that you're looking at. Uh, He's at that point a Butler assistant. He's an assistant of Butler. He rises to Butler head coach, goes to Xavier, and then goes and just wrecks house at Ohio State um, for about 13 years. So he's an option. But at this point in time, he had not been a head coach at the college level. Now, I don't know if it would have been realistic to get Thad Mata. Um, but we could have outbid Butler at the time. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, because uh, Barry Collier, he was there for 11 years and was solid. He he had just under a 600 winning percent. He was good ish, I guess, but there's so many interesting choices here, but Mike Bray is not a completely unrealistic option here. Mike Bray does. The biggest thing working against K-State here is that he was a uh, East Coast guy. Um, He started as an assistant at Duke, coached at Delaware, and then went to Notre Dame. And he was from Maryland. So if we even got Mike Bray, he may not stick around as long as we want. But there's so many other interesting options. Bill Self is. So the real, the most realistic options are Bill Self and Bob Knight. Yeah. And Travis Ford, I guess. Travis Ford, I guess. Which like would have been okay. It would have been one of the hires of all time. That's exactly how I describe him, which he's at St. Louis now. And he's been solid, but he, again, he's just a kind of a solid coach. Uh, that is most of his uh, um, history, I guess, is just being pretty all right. But you get Marcus Smart to Oklahoma State, I guess. <laughs> that was kind of a big deal. But it's really a situation where Bob Knight, he went to the Big 12. He went to Tech. Mm-hmm. And we coached against him for quite a while. It's not unreasonable to think that if K-State was willing to take a shot on him because he did get fired in Indiana and was like pretty famous nationwide for having a short temper mm-hmm. um, to put it mildly but he um, if K-State is willing to take a shot there they could get Bob Knight who would have been a fantastic guy to be like a caretaker for the program K-State would not have gotten worse with Bob Knight at least yeah. No, I wouldn't. And I, I think the the ultimate question with Bob Knight is, does the athletic department look at him and say, okay, is he, is he a head case basically? <laughs> um, 
which yeah he he is <laughs> he is was i i don't feel like that's that's a controversial opinion it is not it is not <laughs> but that being said in his time at tech he did end up um he in his seven seasons he ended up handing the program off to his son uh he went to four ncaa tournaments and one nit so you know four four out of six making the tournament at like basically the twilight years of his career they're they're worse outcomes i don't feel like that's a terrible outcome for k-state uh i don't like him handing off his pro the program to his son i feel like that gets in the way of of a lot of things because he would hand it off in 2008 which means that we would be a year behind in our timeline where Frank Martin gets hired. Yeah. And if we don't get Huggins in 06, we don't get Frank in no. 07 because Frank was uh, the associate head coach for, uh, for Bob. And yeah. then of course, if we don't get Bob, Michael Beasley does not come to K state. Bill Walker does not come to K state. We don't almost get a few other guys. That's a later episode. But, <laughs> um. Uh, so a lot of things really start to diverge there. I mean, at this point, we're guys that we think of like Bondly, like Clint Stewart. He's not a K-State guy in, in this world. There He goes somewhere else, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but but it's, um, it's tough to say. It's a uh, it, this coaching cycle was really, really interesting for several reasons but i keep getting more and more convinced that bill self could have uh um ended up he may have been the guy (laughs) bill could have been the guy out of tulsa what a funny alternate timeline that would have been to uh land bill all right so let's entertain this alternate timeline here let's let's entertain the bill self is a k-state wildcat Timeline. Let's entertain this for a moment. Does K-State win a natty? Probably. I mean, because a lot of Bill Self's ability is it's beyond just recruiting. Like you can you can cheat and whatnot and get fantastic players and also just kind of suck as a coach. Penny Hardaway exists. Yeah. And of John Calipari of in the last like five years also exists. Like and even the recruiting's dwindling now. But I mean, Mike Boynton right now, great recruiter. Unfortunately, probably the worst coach in the Big 12, other than Porter Moser, which I don't even think Mike Boynton's a bad coach. I just think he's an average coach. And that's which, just not gonna Which cut gets you outclassed in the Big 12. Exactly. So it's Bill Self's coaching ability is necessary. And we know that Bill Self is a great coach, even if it hurts to say, like, it's, it's, he's, like, we, we he's can't, one we of can't the best deny. coaches in history. He is. Yeah, he's the best active coach right now. And he could have had a chance at him if Long Kruger stuck around. <laughs> so, the God, that's, I, I'm going to, we're going we're gonna to stop right there because otherwise it's going to take like 30 minutes. So 
the do you want to do the the tldr of of this scenario or would you rather have me do it like basically just you know what what is the if you boil down the scenario what does this world look like hey state instead of having their resurgence they remain a like middle of the pack to sometimes contending big 12 side that remains decent Long Kruger sticks around another 10 years, leaves for the NBA. That goes however it does. And K-State in the year 2000 has a huge hire to make. And Bill Self was on the, he was on the block. He was available. And we could have gotten him. Genuinely, I think we talked ourselves into him being the most realistic candidate. I was completely walking into this thinking I was going to say Thad Mata or Mike Bray. But I really, I really talked myself into it being Bill Self. And I guess Mark Turgeon's there too. And, um, oh, nutcase. I forgot his name already. Bob Knight. Bob Knight. Bob Knight was also an option that could have worked. But Bill Self may have been, in this alternate timeline, the head coach of K-State. And... As in many ways, horrifying to think about. <laughs> like I don't feel like anyone particularly enjoys that sentence. <laughs> yeah. Bill Self, Kansas State University men's basketball head coach. From 2000 to present. That's so, so gross to hear. It could have happened. It truly could have happened. And the more we talk about it, the more I'm convinced it was the most likely option in this coaching cycle, unless we like promoted from within, uh, or if we went out and got Dana Altman again, like if he sticks around at Marshall, takes a job somewhere else. Um, at that point, Dana Altman's more experienced, and Dana Altman probably still would have been a fine hire. Now, are the chances high that we take him again? They're not 100, percent but they're not zero because he had been in K State before as an assistant. It wasn't out of the out of the possibilities. But I guess that takes us to the last like 15 years. Michael Beasley is not a cat. Jacob Poland's not a cat. Barry Brown's probably not a cat. Dean Wade probably is. He grew up a K-State fan. But yeah. other than that, most of the guys that we know from the last 15 years, they they aren't K-State guys. They're they go elsewhere unless there's just kind of a coincidence. And it's it's tough to say. Does Jerome Tang become the basketball coach, or is Bill Self still the guy? <laughs> He's probably still the guy. Like if he gets here, there's a non-zero chance that K State straight up abandons football <laughs> for basketball. It's entirely possible, honestly. Which... I don't think Bill would let them, but I think the moment Bill retires for the first time, it's over. It is the... over. The Bill head coaches per capita at K-State would just be off the charts in <laughs> this universe. Two. Two of them. <laughs> yeah, two. So basically the TLDR of this scenario, K-State never experiences the dark ages. Lon Kruger is consistently maintaining a program that is solid and respected in the national sphere. And because of that, K-State is put in a position to make a bigger hire than Dana Altman or Jim Woodridge. And that hire could be Bob Knight, 
Could be Thad Mata. Could have been. So basically what I'm saying, if Lon Kruger stays, the Kansas State head basketball coach is Bill Self. There's no doubt in my mind. Absolutely zero. We have like two KU fans who listen to this show. I'm. We may have to read their obituary tomorrow. <laughs> I am so interested to hear what their thoughts are. <laughs> I'm. I'm genuinely interested. One probably doesn't care that much. The other genuinely is probably dead. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably right. Maybe but... he recognized like. 2000s coaching cycle <laughs> maybe he knew <laughs> maybe so i don't know but it, gosh it's it's tough to say because i mean bill definitely wouldn't have gone to ku at that point because roy williams would have stole the guy there so man it's, it's tough to say but we, we kind of stumbled upon a uh wild alternate universe that i think certainly exists yeah there's no doubt in my mind that the Bill Self K State verse crossover <laughs> exists somewhere. It, somewhere it exists. Maybe that's another hypothetical, huh? How K State does under Bill Self as the head coach. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that would get so much engagement on Twitter. We would drop a nuke on K State KU Twitter <laughs> the day the fact releases. We're doing it. <laughs> gotta be. We we have to farm these engagements. <laughs> But before we ramble for the, the rest of time, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Aggieville Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C and cats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, wait a minute. It'll be fine. Just just keep waiting. Maybe a couple weeks. Maybe a month. Ish. Just to say. But for now, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. We're come rain shine or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.